Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I <laughs> Welcome to Kitty's Birthday House. My brother's name is Ozzy and I'm Die Boy. Thank you for missing from Mommy's podcast. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. I am your host Jordan. Thank you so much for joining me this week. If this is your first time having me in your ears, welcome. If it's not, you would have heard this welcome (laughs) blurb before. But yeah, I'm Jordan. I am a mum of two. I have Jai who is three and Ali who's one and a half. I've got a business baby alongside Kiwi Birth Tales which is your birth project and your birth project is an online hypnobirthing course, in-person hypnobirthing courses based in Papamoa, uh, an online store with pregnancy, birth and postpartum related products and a your birth project journal, which is a beautiful pregnancy and birth um, education tool, keepsake and reflection tool. It's just yeah, the most beautiful journal. So make sure you check that out. Oh, goodness me. It feels like it's been a big week this week. I um, We've had sick kids on and off for like a couple of weeks and I think Ali's getting some teeth. So he was awake literally all night last night. No matter what I did, like nothing really helped him. So felt like those circa 10 month memories when we were getting up like, well, I say we, I, me and Ali <laughs> were getting up like 10 times a night and we had the dog up in the night and Jai was awake and oh my gosh we were just having a night party last night so feeling pretty tired today but you know that's parenting um and I yeah have managed to edit this episode and get it out for you which I'm so happy about because I really loved speaking with today's guest and um I think you're going to get a lot out of this episode so Today I speak with Carly. Uh, Carly takes us through her pregnancy, birth and postpartum journey with her daughter Lainey. Um, She has a really interesting story to share with us. She planned a home birth with lots of cultural uh, elements or inclusions that they wanted in their birth. They are both Māori, Carly and Chaz, um, and they had yeah lots of different things that they wanted to include in their birth and ended up having an emergency cesarean, um, quite a lot of birth trauma and it's just really interesting listening to Carly sort of talk us through that whole journey and, and how she's doing now and what's helped her come to terms with her birth and they actually made a complaint that's resulted in changes in their hospital policy as well which was really um, pleasing to hear but obviously very unfortunate that Carly had to go through something like that for that to help happen so I think this episode is going to be one that lots of people will get something out of. Carly just does such a beautiful job of telling their story and yeah I'm very grateful that she was willing to share with us so I will let you jump into the episode. I'd love to hear your feedback. Make sure you send me a message on Kiwi Birth Tales Instagram or an email jordan at kiwibirthtales.com You can also find me on the Your Birth Project website www.yourbirthproject.com Okay, let's jump into the episode. Enjoy. Hi, Carly. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hi, Jordan. Thanks for having me. No problem. Would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about you and who is in your family? 
Cool, yeah. So I'm Carly. Um, I'm 29 and a social worker working in mental health and addictions. Um, I live with my partner, Chaz, and our six, or should be seven month old in a few days, daughter, Lainey. Yeah, yeah amazing. Very cool. And we're going to talk through lots of different things today, um, pregnancy, birth and postpartum related. But if we start with what the journey was like to pregnancy for you and Chaz. Cool. Yeah. Um, I was actually talking to Chaz about this last night. We were both trying to remember sort of the beginning. <laughs> mm. um, I I can't remember exactly how far along I was when we found out, but I'd actually been in discussions with my GP about longer term contraception so like the IUD um and then something felt off and I remember at work we had a plum tree and I said to a colleague I was like no I think I've just eaten too many of the plums Mm -hmm. like not feeling right um but I did a test and it was yep two lines but there were heaps of people in our house heaps of Chaz's whanau were staying and I was like oh no like how do I tell him but like be normal because there's all these people around um and had to like pull him aside and he'd been cooking a barbecue so like everyone was around it was definitely not subtle I don't know how no one picked up on it um and sort of pulled him into the room and showed him and he's like oh what do two lines mean and I was like well I'm not going to show you a negative test yeah so that was sort of how it happened. Um, and then I went to the GP and she was like, yep, no IUD for you, definitely pregnant. So that was the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, amazing. And were you shocked? Like, did you expect any, like, pregnancy? How did you feel when you saw that positive test? When I was doing the test, I felt like I knew it was going to be positive. But yeah. it was still shock. And yeah. I think sort of that whole first trimester, it was like, even though we talked about having kids and things, it was probably just a bit sooner than we planned. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of shock and it also felt a bit like, I mean, I was 28 at the time, but I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm too young to be doing this. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I totally understand that feeling. (laughs) Um, what sort of happened from there? Did you want to go with a midwife for your care? What did that look like? Yeah. So, um, it was still kind of COVID restrictions. So this was early 2022. Um, mm-hmm. So there's still a lot of COVID restrictions. So I sort of quite early on was like, no, I'm going to have a home birth. Um, that way I can have who I need with me. Um, so we went on the Find Your Midwife and looked at midwives that did home births. And then also looked, um, we found it really important that we had a Māori midwife. So managed to find one who could do both. Um met up with her she was great so we just stuck with her and rolled with it um which yeah. was really cool like it was it was actually a really easy process because I know a lot of other people um who I know who are pregnant now haven't had it as easy trying to find a midwife so mm. we felt mm. really lucky yeah yeah awesome yeah. and how did you feel in your first trimester did you have many pregnancy symptoms yeah what was that like <laughs> um I was really sick I didn't I wasn't actually sick that often but there was like constant nausea um and I wasn't I wasn't prepared for the food aversions so like Mm. you know you have cravings and stuff but I just had no idea about these aversions and I remember like meat I just couldn't even Mm. deal with it and we're in the supermarket and I'm like heaving my way through the meat section (laughs) because you have to walk through it to get to anywhere else um but I just knew like through discussions with the midwife and things that um 
I needed a healthy low risk pregnancy to be able to have a home birth so I was like right like we were walking I think I'd go for two or three walks a day like I was walking between five and ten k and in the sort of first try um the nausea was always worse in the morning so I'd be like walking along with a piece of dry vogels like just trying to make it work yeah yeah oh yuck I so remember that feeling it's like the worst hangover you've ever had that just never ends yeah yeah and it's just constant and we just have to keep doing life through it (laughs) yeah (laughs) and what about like telling your friends in whanau when did you do that and um yeah what was your thoughts around sharing your news um I think we told them sort of around 10-ish weeks um yeah told whanau and Chaz's whanau um were they lost a family member quite early on so I think you know it was quite bittersweet he was able to Mm. to tell the family member about baby before she'd passed and things um so that was we definitely told them a lot earlier than we'd planned but just so they sort of had that to hold on to Mm. um Mm. and then friends told them kind of early in terms of sort of everyone else I think I was about 20 weeks before we told sort of wider circles I was just like oh nah like there was probably a bit of denial maybe on my part (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah fair enough and what about your approach to testing in pregnancy did you do all of the standard testing that's offered and did you want to know the sex of your baby yeah so we opted to skip the 12-week scan um we just sort of decided that for us if it showed anything it would just add more stress and we would have to decide on further testing and like you know the risks that come with that so we opted out of that one um but we went with we got the 20 week scan and found out the sex and all along the pregnancy I was like oh no I'll leave it to be a surprise and Mm. then sort of the second we rolled into that scan I was like tell me and the (laughs) scan lady left it till the end she was like here's the heart and here's this and I'm like but I just need to know Um, so yeah we found out at that point that it was a girl which was really exciting and yeah let let our whanau know pretty quickly and they were all excited Mm. um and I got the glucose test I can't remember what point that one happens but I got that one done and it was still I think I had nausea until about 20 weeks and so Mm. I feel like it was within that period and I was just trying to keep the drink down because all I could think was oh no like I'll have to redo this yes so horrible (laughs) oh it is horrible I feel like yeah you're either someone who just like doesn't even think the drink's bad or you really hate it but it's a hundred times worse if you're nauseous on top of that (laughs) yeah yeah so bad and in COVID, so it was like, okay, sit there with yeah. your mask on after drinking this oh, whilst God. nauseous. I was like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> and what about your sort of thoughts around um, birth education? Did you do any antenatal courses? I know that you said you'd sort of planned to have a home birth. So, yeah, what did that look like for you? Yeah, so we did a few things. Um, we actually went on a wahakura wananga, so... Um, made baby a wahakura like wove that um which was a two-day thing and that was really cool we got so much out of that and there was um 
sort of heaps of antenatal information woven into that as well. And then we also um, did antenatal classes, which I didn't love at first. I think after the first one, I was like, Chaz, I never want to go again, which it was fine. I don't know where that was coming from, um, but I stuck at it and we still catch up weekly with my antenatal group. We still do coffee every week and they're amazing. Like they're really cool. So really glad I did it. And I also read... Um, Ina May's Guide to Childbirth I don't know oh, how cool. I came across it but yeah that was really good for getting me in the mindset I think yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Awesome. amazing and in terms of your home birth did you have like everything set up at home um, what were your conversations that you'd had with your midwife in terms of planning a home birth and um, yeah just your sort of thoughts around how you wanted your birth to go yeah, so I've been home birth all along, and then sort of in the last few weeks, I was like, oh, might go with the birthing center because the pool looked really great. Um, yeah. It looked more inviting than the blow-up option at home. Yeah. And so I think I only decided that at like 37 or 38 weeks um, yeah. that I was going to do as much as I could at home and then go to the birthing center sort of for the end stages so I could have a water birth. Um, yeah. And so... That was cool. Um, That was our plan. We had it sorted. um, And so I kept working until about 37 weeks. And then I stopped because I was like, no, this might put me in labor. And I knew that I had to (laughs) get to that 37 week point um, to to be able to have home birth or birthing center sort of had to be that low risk pregnancy and get to, you know, after 37 weeks. So I was doing everything I could to, you know, keep baby inside till 37 weeks and then once we hit 37 weeks I was like right colostrum raspberry leaf tea dates everything I was just like you can come out now like we're ready (laughs) yeah yeah amazing and what about like how you wanted to include elements to your birth so you mentioned that you wanted quite a like cultural approach or um some inclusion of some different Maori things in your birth so yeah talk us through what your thoughts were and what that looks like yeah, so in our birth plan, which was also written quite last minute, because I'd sort of been like, oh, whatever happens will happen. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> in our birth plan, we'd wanted, um, so Chaz was going to do karakia when baby came into the world, um, and it was really important for us that sort of the first words she heard were in te reo Māori. Um, yeah. Just that that was the first thing she heard coming into the world, not you know, medical speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had a mukatai, which we were given when we were given our wahakura back that we wove and also an ipu whenua, so for baby's placenta, um, which we only actually buried last weekend. Mm-hmm. But so all these sorts of things um, were really important for us. And the midwife was aware of that, which was really cool. And we also had a student midwife, um, was paired up with my midwife and we agreed that she could be involved and she was on board with all of that as well, which was really, really cool. Um, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Awesome. And what about um, names? So how did you go in your pregnancy? Did you have a name sort of that you'd chosen out before she was born or did you wait till she was here? What did that look like for you and Chaz? So she was named, I think before we even knew she was a girl, um, <laughs> which is, I don't, I don't even know if we had a boy name sorted, but we had a girl name sorted from really early on. Um, 
So her name is Laney Naiwiko, um, and Laney was Chaz's dad's called Lane, but um, I was driving along one day and, you know, just some random radio station was on and it was an Eminem song and he talks about Laney in it and I was like, hey, mm. that works. Um, <laughs> so so she's a namesake, but I mean, Eminem helped with that. And so then, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Naiwiko is her great-grandmother who passed when I was pregnant with her um, as her name as well and then that was passed to her from a great-grandmother as well um so that one's really special and a lot of Chaz's whanau um refer to her as Naiwiko so she sort of goes by either name Mm, beautiful yeah Yeah. very cool and talk us through the end of your pregnancy so how were you feeling um did you go into labor spontaneously so yeah talk us through the end of pregnancy and then into your labor and birth story yeah, um, so baby was due September 2nd, which was a Friday, and that came and went, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I was I was over it by that point, I think, yeah, I finished work at 37 weeks, and I was like, oh, a few weeks to sort of do nothing, but then I think all the tiredness and everything just hit at once, yeah. and I was so yeah. over being pregnant, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, 40 weeks came and went, and nothing was happening and I mean I was walking every day I was trying to do everything to get this baby moving Mm -hmm. um and I got to 41 weeks and still nothing really happening like some cramping across that week but like nothing too intense and it was always sort of at night so I'd always get excited like oh it might happen tonight like I'd go to sleep with cramping and then Mm -hmm. I'd wake up the next morning and it wouldn't um and then I had to have a post-date scan at 41 weeks which I was like, oh, baby will be like fully formed. This will be cool. But post-date scan, I think, because baby's so big, it's so blurry. (laughs) It it didn't even look like a baby. I was like, oh, that was disappointing. Um, And the (laughs) ultrasound person was like, yeah, she's not in a hurry. And I was like, cool, (laughs) thanks. Like, thanks for that. Um, And I think at that point I began to feel a little bit uneasy as I knew that like baby had to come before 42 weeks or I'd have to Mm. birth at the hospital. And I was still really in that mindset of, you know, birth, birth sort of happens, like my body's made for this, I can do this, like I didn't want to be at the hospital. Um, Mm. And so then the next morning, the Saturday, so it was 41 plus one, um, I had a contraction at like quarter to seven in the morning. I remember it really vividly because it was like full on minute long contraction. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay, here we go. and these sort of went on through the day, but they were spaced about half an hour apart. Um, so I just that evening took Panadol and tried to sleep. I don't know what I thought Panadol would do. Um, <laughs> and I woke up at 11 and had contractions every 10 minutes until 4 a.m. Um, yeah. And at one point they got to like six minutes apart. And so I text um, my good friend Mary who'd always sort of, we'd agreed early on that I ne- I wanted her there for my birth. Um, so I text her, like, come up in the morning, and then about 4 a.m. contractions spread out more, and so I, like, went to sleep. And so then the Sunday, um, contractions were still going, and they were going between half an hour apart to seven minutes apart, so it still wasn't consistent. Um, and Mary came up, and so her and I were just doing laps of the block to try and mm-hmm. speed these up like and curb walking and everything like 
the amount of times my neighbours would have seen it. They must have thought there was something seriously wrong with us. <laughs> um, but it they sort of slowed down again because um, I was on that Swiss ball, like, nonstop. Mm. Um, so she went home again and, yeah, overnight, once Sunday into Monday, they sped up again and sort of overnight again got to between sort of 10 to 6 minutes apart yeah. um so it was always happening overnight which meant my sleep was way off um mm. so I text the midwife on the Monday morning and let her know it was happening um and she was like okay cool have a nap <laughs> and I was like okay cool I've been trying um and she came sort of midday and like my blood pressure was fine and baby's heart rate were fine. Um, and she offered a stretch and sweep, which I was like, yep, cool. If anything will actually make this speed up, like I was getting over it. Um, and so she did a stretch and sweep and an internal and I was two centimeters dilated and they could feel baby's head. So I thought that was really cool. I was like, cool. She's right there. Like, let's go. Mm -hmm. Um, and they left and I tried to have more sleep. However, those contractions were still going um, and my mucus plug was starting to come away. Um, and so that was cool. And I was messaging my antenatal group because everyone else had had their babies, but I was always due last. And then I was mm. you know, at this point, I was a week and a bit overdue. Um, and in our antenatal group, one of the girls is actually a midwife and she's like, try these spinning babies exercises. Mm. And one of them was sort of on your head like almost yes, the off the couch <laughs> yeah so I was trying to do that having contractions like Chaz was just like are you sure and I was like no no apparently this will help <laughs> um, he probably thought I'd lost it at that point yeah. but I I was just so done I was like I just need these to speed up mm. um and then on the Tuesday so Monday night into Tuesday still having contractions overnight and still yeah I think they got as low as like five minutes apart or as close together as five minutes apart. Um, but then they'd increase again, but they were always sort of one minute in strength. So decent mm. contractions. Mm. Um, and so I text the midwife again Tuesday morning. I was like, okay, we need to do something. Like I can't do this. Um, and so she was like, okay, come into the birthing center. And so we went into the birthing center and, um, had some IV fluids and another stretch and sweep. Um, and sort of Chaz came home from work at that point because I told him each day, I was like, I'll go to work, but you can come home if mm. things increase. Um, and he was like, no, no, I'll come with you to the birthing centre. And I was really dehydrated at this point and it took four of them to get a line in. Um, yeah. And at that point, they were just like, let's just leave the line in. Like, you're going to need it and for more fluids um mm. so it stayed in and I think I was still only two centimeters at that point which was so disappointing because I was like I'm having all these contractions and mm. it's for nothing like which yeah wasn't great but went mm. home um another night up all night with contractions and mm. I text Mary again I was like no you need to come up like I need you here um and so Wednesday morning, Mary came up. Um, I hadn't really slept. Um, we went back to the birthing center and Chaz was like to the midwife, something needs to change. Like she can't do this many days with no sleep. Um, mm. 
and so I had some acupuncture someone at the birthing center could do acupuncture so I was like cool yeah I'll, like I was willing to try anything at that point um and I'm pretty sure Chaz took a photo because I had one of the needles goes sort of between your eyebrows so he thought that was hilarious um I was just like I just want it to work like just work mm. um and I had more fluids and another stretch and sweep and we got into three centimeters at that point um and pretty sure the midwife rang the hospital because I mean we were getting closer to 42 weeks at this point I think we're at what 41 and four or 41 and five mm. um and I was like look I know I said I wanted no intervention but I'll go with an induction if I had to and the hospital were like oh we don't have space till Friday <laughs> Um, and so the midwife booked it in for Friday morning, which I was like, cool, whatever. Like it's been this many days. What's another two? Mm -hmm. Um, and she got a sleeping pill for me. So we went home. Um, I took the sleeping pill and it worked for 10 minutes and then had a massive contraction that woke me up. Um, and they, they just continued that night and they were stronger. Um, and so Chaz and Mary were tag teaming, <laughs> like one would mm. sleep for a few hours and the other one would be up with me. Um, and I was, I had a tens machine, a friend's dad had an old injury. And so he had a tens machine. And so I was using that and it was great. Like yeah. it was so great. Um, yeah. and so then, yeah, up completely up all night at that point into Thursday morning and then Thursday morning something changed I was in the lounge with Chaz because Mary had gone to sleep and I was like Chaz just stop stop timing these like the baby's broken my back like something's wrong with my back there's no point mm. timing anything um because it was just this constant back pain like I was convinced my spine was broken mm. <laughs> um and so he stopped timing it and then Mary got up and she's also a nurse. She came out and she's like, no, no, your back's not broken. These are also contractions. And I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Um, and so the midwife came over at lunchtime and I was just begging for intervention at this point. Like I was like, I need something Like I can't keep doing this. And I think mm -hmm. it was the lack of sleep that was doing it. Cause I was coping with the contraction sort of, pressure and pain and stuff but mm. it was the no sleep that I was just like oh my gosh um yeah. and so she did a check um and she's like yep you're far enough along let's go to the birthing center um so we rocked up to the birthing center and I was so excited to be there mm -hmm. like I hopped in the water um and they have the gas on the little trolley so you can take it around with you so I was um in the water and had the gas which was just great I just really liked like biting down on the mouthpiece mm. um and yeah I had Chaz putting heaps of pressure on my back so that we went there about middle of the day and they did a check at four and I'd progressed to seven or eight centimeters and I was like mm. oh perfect like we're yeah. moving this is great um and so kept going and then my midwife left um it was her weekend off or something it turned out she was going home and Chaz's workmates were there doing building for her so mm. she rang back and was like oh Chaz she could have been working here the whole time um, but she'd she'd gone and so I had a backup midwife but still had the midwife student which was really cool to have that sort of continuity mm. um yeah. and so 
yeah, kept going, and the backup midwife was like, do you want to try hop out of the pool? It might speed things up. And so she was like, have one leg up on the bed and one leg on the ground and all these different positions, and I was just doing any of them because I was like, no, mm. I want this baby out. I remember at one point, Chance had gone and had found, like, they had all these snacks at the birthing centre, and he came back, <laughs> and it was like some crunchy as, like, I don't even know what it was, but it was so loud. And I was having a contraction and all I could hear was him, but I couldn't oh. talk through it. And so I was just yeah. staring at him like, stop. And Mary was staring at him like, this is really awkward. Um, yeah. And yeah, whenever anyone asks about our birth, I'm like, oh, Chaz just had the crunchiest snacks. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we got checked again at eight and the midwife was like, actually you haven't progressed since four. Um, we're going to have to go to the hospital. And because I thought I'd had progressed because at that point my contractions had been a minute apart. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm really strong. And so I was like, oh, cool. Like, this is transition. Like, I'd learned about that antenatal. I was like, oh, this must be transition. And actually, if this is as strong as it gets, I'm okay. I can do this. And mm-hmm. then for the midwife to turn around and be like, no, no, you haven't um, dilated any further. I think your body's too tired. I think you need to go to the hospital um, was really disheartening. I was. Mm-hmm. I remember being so upset, like, what? I thought we were nearly there. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, it's all good. Like, we just have to go to the hospital. Because I'm still being sort of laughing away between contractions. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, I'll just take the gas in the car. And she's like, no, no, the gas can't go in the car. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll just walk there then. Like, the gas is coming with me. And she's <laughs> like, you're not walking in labor. Like, that's a 15-minute walk. She's like, you're not walking. And I was really disappointed. I was like, well, what, what do I do for the drive over? She's like, oh, you can have a hot water bottle. Um, and I was like, cool. <laughs> like, minute apart contractions. And I'll just have my hot water bottle. Um but she explained my body was probably just too exhausted at this point because this was Thursday night and our contractions had started the Saturday prior. Um, and she's like, you probably need an epidural. Like your body probably just mm. needs a break. Um, so I was like, okay, cool. So on the way to the hospital, I was like to Chaz, right? Like I didn't want any interventions or any medication, but if I have to go to the hospital, I'm having everything like this is my reward I'm having all the drugs um and as soon as we got there I was like where's the anesthetist like I need to see him um and he was I think he wasn't even at the hospital they had to call him in um which was fine so the midwife student hooked up the gas like got the gas sort of for me there and I remember asking her I was like have you even turned this on because it was like you had to work a lot harder for it than the one at the birthing mm. center. And I was like, no, no, you haven't turned my gas on. Like this isn't working. <laughs> um, poor thing. But yeah, eventually the anesthetist came um, and he's like, you have to be really still. And I was like, oh mate, I am ready for this. Like just do it. Mm. And once that hit in, like kicked in, I was like, wow, like 
why was I having an intervention-free birth? Like, this is fantastic. Um, <laughs> and they broke my waters. And I remember being like, is it green? Because I knew that from antenatal as well. I was like, is it green? And they're like, oh, only a little bit. And so I was like, okay, cool. Um, and then they put the epidural in and started the like induction medication, I think, to speed things up. Oh, yeah. Um, and I... A lot of what was happening then, I didn't fully know what was going on. Chaz and Mary and I talked about it later, how, you know, at home I was just doing it. And then at the birthing centre, you know, Chaz and I were doing it as a team. And then we got to the hospital and it was sort of like things were just happening to us. Um, mm. Like it wasn't our birth anymore. It was really medicalised, which, you know, at the end of the day, we wanted a safe, safe mum and safe baby. But, mm. yeah, it felt really out of control for us. Um yeah. And yeah, they, they, baby's heart rate went a bit off once they started the medication to speed things up. Um, so they ended up putting the monitor in her head, which sort of just happened. I wasn't aware it was happening because we'd learned about that at antenatal and I was like, oh no, I don't mm. want something in baby's head. Um, and then it was sort of, they'd just done it. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, like, I guess if that's what you have to do. Mm. And then... Yeah, they did another test too. I think it's, is it like lactic acid or something where they scrape the head oh, to yeah. check? Yeah, so they did yeah. that to see um, how she was going and if she'd tolerate pushing. And they said that she'd only just passed it. Um, and then we got to 10 centimetres. I think they did it when we got to 10 centimetres and then we'd, we were planning on waiting an hour to do sort of that delayed pushing and they did yeah. it again and she still only just passed. Um, but they said we were all good to start pushing. So this was 2am on the Friday we started pushing. Um, yeah. So that was 42 weeks pregnant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, I pushed for ages. And I remember the midwives being like to Mary, oh, can you hold this leg? And I was like, no, no, she can't. She's not strong enough. Like, mm-hmm. I think I was just so drugged up at that point because I didn't remember it. But Mary told me later, she's like, I was really insulted. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> it's all good. Um, and so I pushed for an hour and baby had become, I think, transverse was the word they used. And uh, okay, yeah. So, yeah, just wasn't coming down um and at this point the doctor came back in and they were talking about forceps or fontos or c-section and I was like okay yep you can use your vacuum and then the forceps and then the c-section like that was Mm. my plan um and Chaz was like actually can we have five minutes to discuss this Mm. um and the doctors were like yep but continued doing everything in the room and getting everything ready like he and he still holds on to this, that he didn't get that five minutes yeah. to, I guess, mentally prepare or to talk to me. Because I, I think I was probably pretty delusional at that point, that many days, mm-hmm. no sleep. Um, and so next thing, we were just going to theatre and I didn't know where Chaz was or if he was with us. Um, and they told me he was getting changed. But he told me afterwards he got changed and then he was just waiting and he was waiting for mm-hmm. 45 minutes um, and then he saw an orderly and he was like, oh, like, where's Carly? And they were like, oh, yeah, she's in there on the table. And he was like, what? Yeah. Like, does that mean they've started? Um, yeah. And so eventually he came back in and, like, I was crying. I was like, I'm having a C-section. Um, mm. 
and the backup midwife hadn't come. So she had left just before we started pushing and her backup had taken over, um, who I had never met before and didn't know. And then when it came to going down to surgery, that backup was like, oh no, the hospital midwives do this. I don't come. Um, so when they mm-hmm. let me know that it was going to be a C-section when I'd gone into theatre, like there was no one with me that I knew, um, mm. which we ended up feeding that back to the hospital later because I was like, actually I was alone and you were letting mm. me know the complete like worst case in my head mm. of how my birth was going to go. Yeah. Um, I mean, not worst, worst case, that baby was fine, but you know, I'd planned this sort of home or birthing mm. center birth and yeah. So I was like crying and shaking um, and the anaesthetist kept being like, oh, I can just put you to sleep if you want. But I knew that if I was mm. asleep, Chaz couldn't be there. And so I was like, no, no, like I'll be fine. Yeah. Um, and he like kept offering that. And I was like, no, we're good. Um, and then, yeah, baby came out and Chaz got to go and cut the cord and she was fine. Mm. Like all the APGAR scores were fine. She just obviously mm. didn't want to come out yet. <laughs> Um, and he brought her over to see me to, cause we'd always wanted skin to skin straight away, but because of our birth, we couldn't do that. And then when they brought her over, I was shaking too much. I couldn't have her. Um, mm-hmm. and so Chaz was sitting with her. Um, but then surgery took a lot longer as well. So because I'd been in labor so long, my uterus had been really tired. And so my uterus actually tore vertically, um, which the surgical team explained more at follow-up um, and they'd had to do a further cut. So when they'd actually got in there to get baby out, she'd started going down. And mm. so they then had to push her back up. Um, and so, yeah, there was, there was quite a few complications. And so when we'd gone to theater, they'd said to Mary, Oh, they'll be back in an hour. And I think it was about four hours later that we actually went back up to the ward so that she was born at 5 a.m. on the Friday, the 16th of September. Yeah. yeah. Wow, what a process. Like, I can't <laughs> even – I have so many things to say. <laughs> but, I mean, such a long labour, sort of, like, consistent contractions that I can only imagine what you felt like throughout that time. And I think the lack of sleep um, – is just so taxing on our body and labor so that's a really long time but yeah I mean in terms of the way that you were treated um in hospital and like through your c-section and just that whole process I can only imagine that it felt quite traumatic but I don't want to put like words in your mouth so how did you feel like when your baby was here and I know you mentioned before like it wasn't the worst case because you had a healthy baby but I think it's really important to acknowledge that um we can have a healthy baby and still have a really traumatic birth, right? So, yeah, I'd be yeah. really interested to know how you felt. Um, were you able to process it straight away? Like, was it not until later that you sort of realised what had happened? Like, how did that play out? Um, I remember just we got back up to the ward and I was just in tears. Mm. Um was really traumatized by it as well but then we had someone come and visit later from the Māori health unit and she was amazing like she was like hey guys just checking in and she'd been at our wahakura wananga so we already knew oh, her yeah. and I just cried I was like this is what happened and she's like cool mm-hmm. 
you're ready, we can work through a process, we can feed that back. Um, which I don't think we did till baby was a few months old. But that was really helpful for me to sort of process everything. Mm. And some changes happened. So there were some policy changes in the hospital around when you go for a C-section, now your partner stays with you. Um, yeah. Because in the past they'd done it, you know, they got the meds and things all set up and then your partner came in. And so they have changed it since we put in our feedback um, mm. that your partner can be with you, which I met with the obstetrician and she's like, I know that doesn't change anything for you. And I was like, yep, but at least I know that other people might not have to go through what we went through. Like they might mm. not have to sort of find it out when they're by themselves because it was really full on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of like physically, how were you feeling after your cesarean birth and how long did you spend in the hospital? What did that look like? Um, So we were in hospital until about the Wednesday. So we had some issues with latching um, and there were lactation consultants at the hospital. And honestly, they were amazing. Um, The amount of help they gave us. And there was a lactation Mm. consultant student, which meant she had more time. So she gave us so much time and it was so helpful. Yeah. Um, But by the time we left hospital, baby still wasn't latching properly. And I had heaps of milk. Like I was pumping it and had so much in the freezer and things at the hospital, Mm. um, which they said was probably just from sort of the trauma from the birth for her. And so, yeah, she she wasn't latching, which wasn't great. And then I think I was in a lot of pain. Like I didn't realise, like putting your arms mm. up sort of thing to put a top on, I didn't sort of comprehend how much that would hurt. And so we went home, ooh, Wednesday, and went straight to the osteopath, which helped with baby. It helped her to be able to latch better. And yeah. um, he was like, oh, I can see you as well. And the thought of just sort of anyone touching me when I was in that much pain. I was like, no, thanks. Like, mm. I'll come see you when I'm feeling a bit better. Um, and so I was still like shuffling around at home. And then for about a, oh, four or five days, and then the midwife came the following week. And I said to her, I was like, I've been feeling really hot. Like, and it was the one time she didn't have the temp, the thermometer in her home birth kit. Um mm. And she was like, do you have a thermometer? And I was like, I've got no idea where anything is at the moment. And she was like, I don't have one either. Um, And she's like, I'll just keep an eye on it. And yeah, I was just wasn't feeling right. Um, Mm. I had an exam that day because before I'd gotten pregnant, I'd signed up for this course. And then I was like, no, no, I'll finish it. And (laughs) so I was doing a course, um, doing an exam. And I was feeling really yuck. And I was like, oh, go to bed after this exam. It's all good. and yeah I went to bed and just was feeling really gross and then the next day um the midwife came and she weighed the baby and she's like she's dropped um quite a bit of weight like this isn't good Mm -hmm. and so we'd been giving her top up so we've been trying to latch her and then we've been giving her top ups with a tube like on the finger um and you know, everyone was so patient. Chaz was so patient. And so the lactation consultants, because I've been like, she's going to need bigger volume. She might want a bottle. And I was like, no, no, I feel like I've already had so much taken from me with my birth. I'm not having breastfeeding taken. Like, mm. we're not introducing a bottle because then she'll want the bottle. And so no one said anything. But looking back, I'm like, man, that must have been so tiring for them as well for me to be like, no, no, we'll just keep doing the tube. Um, <laughs> and so we had to do bigger 
top ups but my supply had dropped which I'd had massive supply and my supply had completely dropped and so something wasn't right um and yeah the midwife didn't have the thermometer again but then I went to bed and just slept for ages and Chaz called the midwife because I was like Tom I'm really cold and he's like it's 25 degrees in this house Mm. and you've got two like big blankets on and so he called the midwife she came back she took my temp and I think it was like 39 or 40 Mm. um and she's like cool so we're going back to the hospital so Lainey wasn't even two weeks old um Mm. and Chaz Lainey and I were back in the hospital um and they put us in the delivery suite for the night because that way the doctors were closer and things um and so they were using words like sepsis, which I was like, cool, like I I work in a hospital, I know what this means, Mm. this is quite scary. Um, And so we're in there and they started lots of IV antibiotics and things and there was lots of testing. Um, And then we ended up going back to the maternity ward, which, I mean, the good thing was there were lactation consultants again. So we got um, some help and also started on Domperidone um, to get my supply back. and so, yeah, lots of testing was done. And so we're in hospital for another week. But they let Chaz stay, which was really cool that he got that time um, with Lainey. And also, mm. I mean, he was doing everything. Like I was pumping milk and then just going to sleep. And so he was feeding her and um, doing everything for us, which was mm. amazing. Like, I didn't hear him complain once. And he was just all over it, like, top parent. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I remember I had to go for a scan um, the one where they like put you in like the donut machine. So I had to go for one of those. I don't know what's the proper mm-hmm. term. Um, and I thought I was hallucinating because the lactation consultant student was there. I was like, what is this? But it turns out she, she worked as a radiographer um, or something. And so it was planning on a career change. And so oh, she's wow. like, no, no, like I am here. And so that had been really cool as well, just to, I guess, have that familiar face yeah right through because there'd just been so many tests and things going on um so that was really exciting to be like oh no cool I'm not hallucinating and I know this Mm -hmm. person um because yeah again this was all still through COVID so like I couldn't have people when we went to like different tests and stuff like Chaz couldn't come Mm -hmm. here to stay with Lainey and like Mary or my mum couldn't be there um so it was really cool I guess to have this familiar person Mm. Um, so yeah we did another week in hospital and then went home (laughs) gosh what a journey (laughs) yeah and how did you find like your mental health through this time like what what impact did that have if any and yeah how were you feeling mentally I remember just feeling so drained um Mm. just like being back in hospital and like so the baby blues kicked in and I remember just crying and Chaz was like, why are you crying? And I was like, I don't know. Um, mm. And then I think they sort of kept in again when I was back in hospital with the infection and like just a lot of crying mm. and it was always in the evenings. <laughs> and my midwife did some screening because she's like, let's make sure this isn't postnatal depression. And I was like, no, no, it's not. Like, don't mm. worry, I know it's not. But I was just crying. Um, and I think... Yeah, once we're out of hospital and at home and feeling better, like I was doing okay. But yeah, yeah, those first few weeks were just really full on. Mm-hmm. 
And how did you find like your physical recovery from the C-section um, in terms of like the pain management and what sort of happened over the next, I guess, month or so post-birth? Like how did you find um, yeah, the physical recovery with the C-section? Yeah, um, I think in terms of pain management, I only used the stronger painkillers for the first sort of day or two and mm-hmm. then just was using Panadol um, yeah. for the first week. But I think that must be my pain tolerance um, because when I, when I think of it, I'm like, man, surely I needed more painkillers for that. But mm-hmm. I, I didn't. And, yeah, I was – I think I tried to get back into doing things once we got out of hospital the second time, I was like, cool, like, I want to go for a walk. Um, mm. And I could only go around, like, the block, which was maybe 500 metres. And after doing sort of 5K to 10K days right up to having Laney, it was really disheartening to be like, well, my fitness, or I guess my, like, strength has gone that quickly. Mm. Um, so I remember feeling quite upset by that. But, yeah, it was, it was definitely really slow because of, the complications from the c-section it was a lot more slower than I guess a standard c-section would have been um Mm. and so I still can't wear her in a front pack for too long because of yeah the extra tearing and things yeah 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 and how have you gone like I know you said she's almost seven months now so what has your feeding journey ended up looking like um over that time yeah, so we were doing top-ups um, and latching and things. I think we got to between six and eight weeks and it was sorted. Like, she was just breastfed and I was so happy she was just breastfed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it definitely, yeah, took six to eight weeks. And I remember during that six weeks being like, is this it? Like, and having to push myself out. I was like, right, I'll just, I'll do this for three months because um, I want her to have sort of breast milk for that long and sort of pushing it out like that and then yeah once we got to eight weeks I was away and I was like oh actually no I can just keep doing this um Mm. which was really cool and then we actually had more than enough milk so like the domperidone was able to stop and still have more than enough milk so we actually donate to our local milk bank as well went through that process because yeah having I guess lost that supply early on when I've been Mm. really sick I was like actually like let's let's give some of this back um because how scary that was for us so yeah 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 and did you find any um did you notice any side effects from the domperidone I I felt like I was really hungry but then I didn't know if that was just breastfeeding as well um that would have been the only only sort of one that was maybe one but then yeah, even now, not on John Peridone and breastfeeding, I'm still always hungry, so <laughs> potentially yeah, not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, awesome. And, yeah, I guess when you reflect on your birth experience now, um, you know, being about seven months out and having done, like, you know, your complaint or feedback process and all of that sort of stuff, how do you feel about your birth now? And, um, yeah, I guess looking back is there anything you would have done differently um, having the like knowledge that you have now? And I'm not absolutely not putting any of your experience on you. I more mean if anybody else was in a similar situation um, and didn't have, you know, the, the experience that you've already had, 
maybe something that you've learned or known would help them? Yeah. Um, I think a big thing was, and now that we've been through it, is that Chaz has said he'd know he could be a louder voice in the hospital. Um, and mm. could just be like, no, like, give us five minutes, like, because it wasn't yeah. life or death in that moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was definitely something. I think the other thing was, is when we we're doing the feedback process and things, like, we had the Māori Health Unit really supporting us. They were amazing. Um, mm. But the hospital had said, oh, because I was like, well, what could have happened to prevent this? And they were like, oh, well, if you'd been here sooner. And I was like, but we tried, like. I think mm. it was Tuesday or Wednesday, I was, like, begging for some kind of intervention. I was like, I'll even yeah. have an induction. Um, yeah. And they're like, oh, well, you should have been here sooner. And it was like, well, we tried. And they were like, oh, well, we didn't know that. And so I guess, mm. yeah, just I think we were going through it and we were going through all those days of contractions. But if people aren't there the whole time, they don't realise mm. how for long that was. Like, even the midwife was just in and out once a day. I mean, so it's sort of other people don't get it. And so, yeah, mm. I guess having having to be really clear and really verbal, which I think we'd do in future. Um, yeah. Like, no, this is what I need. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. yeah, it was really full on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what about your, like, you know, you and Chaz and the way that you share the parental load and like your relationship adding a little human that you both have to care for 24 (laughs) 7 how have you found that and yeah talk to us a little bit about that um he is amazing like he Mm -hmm. probably does more than his share of the parental load um he's yeah he's really onto it with her um and I mean once once she was sorted and we had breastfeeding sorted and stuff she was just sweet like she started sleeping through the night really early on and I didn't want to mm. tell people like even an antenatal and things and people were talking about their baby waking up hourly and I was like okay I'll just stay quiet <laughs> um, I'll keep this one to myself <laughs> yeah yeah definitely and I think if she hadn't slept it would have been so much harder on my recovery both physically and mentally but the fact we mm. had this baby who slept through and was just really chill um made it a lot easier and yeah, I think it's definitely a big change for our relationship, adding a baby in, um, but a lot of communication. Um, mm. And, you know, once I think when we had about three or four months, she'd sort of go down earlier in the evening and it meant Chaz and I had our evenings back um, mm. and had that time together. And that that seems like that seemed to be really important for us because we had that time to communicate just mm. us without, you know, a little person wasting our time. <laughs> Not wasting, you know how they're like time wasters, you just stare at them. Yeah. And... You just stare at them for hours. <laughs> yeah, and they'll do something yeah. and you're like, oh, wow. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, without our little time waster. Mm. Yeah. I think I remember that sort of same, maybe same stage or age when you slowly move away from the really late like bedtime and into a like slightly more earlier or more routine type of bedtime and you get some time back to you and your partner even if it's only like an hour or two it's like a game changer (laughs) oh so good eh like Mm. so amazing like and being able to have dinner without like we'll just have a later dinner but being able to have dinner without her presence is so good for our relationship 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree with that. And what about um, anything that's like really helped you with your recovery or anything that you've used um, for baby that you've found really useful and would recommend to other parents? Is there anything that comes to mind? Um, so my GP was amazing. I went and saw her and she referred me to uh, um, like women's physio to mm-hmm. get sort of checked out because um, I was like, you know, I want to do more exercise. It's great for my mental health and mm-hmm. like my physical health, but being sort of worried, I guess, with everything going on. And so that was definitely good to get checked out and know that I could um, do things again. Um, and then I guess something for baby. So on the weekend, just been, we actually buried baby's uh, whenua. So baby's placenta mm-hmm. um, in Taranaki on some whanau land. And Chaz and I both reflected afterwards how that felt sort of really healing for us as well to still have that process mm-hmm. when we'd sort of lost a lot of the tikanga that we wanted in her birth. Um, yeah. So being able to have that process felt, yeah, really nice and healing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Carly, for coming on the podcast today. I think you've got a really important story to share. And I know that what you've shared today will be useful um, for someone else. And they'll sort of, you know, take that uh, into their experience and, and maybe have a different outcome or feel differently about that. So I'm really grateful that you're willing to share with us. And I'm also really glad that you had the opportunity to give some feedback to the hospital where you gave birth and um, and then there were some changes made out of that. So yeah, super grateful that you were coming on the podcast and sharing with us. Thank you. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. I hope you have enjoyed this one and I will be bringing you another birth story on Tuesday next week. Have a beautiful end of the week and weekend if you are listening to this in real time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.